This is the Epilog audio experience. Once you start feeling better and then every little thing which goes wrong in the body is because of this pill which is anyway not serving me anymore. So every time when patients come and follow up in fact, you come to know only six months later that they have stopped treatment. Unless you specifically ask whether you are continuing this medication or not. If you don't ask that question, they'll say, no, doctor, I stopped six months back because I was getting backache. I said, how do you know that this is because of this? Hi, my name is Samara Mahindra and I am the founder of Kera, India's first integrative oncology solution. Cancer, unfortunately, is becoming the leading cause of death worldwide, accounting for 10 million deaths in 2020. But it can be healed and that's why we're here today. I would love to present you the first integrative oncology podcast being broadcasted in India today. Over here, we interview renowned medical professionals in the field of cancer to understand how we can treat and heal cancer effectively. In this episode, I introduce you to the renowned surgical oncologist, Dr. Harit Chaturvedi, chairperson of Max Cancer Institute. We have an in-depth discussion on cancer treatment, general health, and symptoms that we can look out for to prevent cancer. If you are a caregiver or a cancer patient going through cancer at the moment, then this is an episode you don't want to miss. Dr. Harit Chaturvedi, it is a pleasure to have you here. Um, You are a pioneer when it comes to oncology and uh, cancer care in India. So I am going to first start with the most important question. If you can shed a little bit of light on the advancements and evolvements in cancer care and oncology today. So first of all, thank you very much, Samara, for having me here, because I think what you are doing and what I am realizing is happening all around. I think we all need to really work together to bring the very best for our patients and for the community at large. And I think every every stakeholder really needs to put our best foot forward. And... uh, as you would have seen and everybody is realizing gradually that oncology is a new cancer word uh, in in the medical community. So what was happening in cardiology in 80s and 70s is happening in car- oncology today. So there are a lot of advancement took, took place in that era. And the result of that was that in 90s and 2000, the fear of cardiac events actually went down rapidly. We are seeing the same spectrum uh, spanning out in oncology world and every aspect of care, whether you talk about understanding cancer in terms of prevention, whether we talk about screening or early detection, or even when somebody is diagnosed with cancer, the understanding and mapping of cancer as we do today is very much different from what it was done in even 20 years back. So every aspect of uh, treatment has changed, every aspect of care has changed because of better understanding. Today, for example, in terms of treatment, we have precision in every which way. You talk of surgery, even there we talk of precision, the minimally accessed surgery, the robotic surgery, all this is, or picking up sentinel nodes and preventing uh, what we say today is where less is more, that you to pick up a sentinel node and it has the same effect as it is for a radical lymph node dissection because you pick up one node which is the most representative node and you dissect it too much in detail and get a much more information from that single node than you would get in a uh, full nodal dissection, things like that. I'm just trying to say that every aspect of care has changed from prevention, early detection, 
diagnosis making, treatment, and even palliative care for that matter. Every aspect has changed. And if I have to take examples, I would say that um, today we all realize that almost 50% of cancer is preventable. So I think this is one point which I made, want to harp whenever I get a chance that almost 15, 20% is lifestyle related today, which is uh, diet and uh, other factors, just the way we live, the obesity, you say, or our exercise regime or exposure, or even I would say the management of uh, sleep and uh, day-night management, all these things have changed a lot. So 15, 20% is because of that. And another 30% odd is because of tobacco and certain dietary factors. So, so, so much is preventable. If we just focus on this, it will get off the table. Then today, almost on the verge of getting into the market are tools which are for screen detection. That is single blood tests, which is, can help you pick up early diagnosis of cancer. Now, most of these tests are not so well validated. They're around the corner, but a lot of work has happened in the last 10 years in this space. And I'm expecting that very soon, maybe in a couple of years, we'll have some very strong um, data-backed information where we can take uh, identify patients who need more investigations for treatment, healthy population, not patients. And uh, likewise, once a cancer is diagnosed, the understanding of cancer, whether you do a molecular study, genetic study. So NGS is something which was generally done earlier for palliative care and advanced cancers. Today, we talk of doing the test at the time of diagnosis. The whole idea is that if you can pick up, identify the molecules, use that for precision treatment, maybe the patient is saved of so many side effects and so many unnecessary treatments. So all this is into play and we all know it will take some time to play out fully, but uh, a lot of good things are happening. And uh, if I can also say one big thing just changes the attitude of people and also attitude of the clinical teams. Today, we are more open-minded. We know so much is changing. So we discuss more often than before. And the concepts of tumor board, multidisciplinary team working together, all this has become part of uh, oncology culture across the country and maybe across the globe. So I would say majority of the centers today have these things very well embedded and they work very closely to find best solutions for each patients and a seamless care is provided to our patients. So every aspect has changed, I can say that. So Dr. Harik, tell me a little bit about the misconception when it comes to oncology and cancer and the fear associated with it. You very rightly spoke about cancer in comparison to what cardiac used to be. And today we're looking at cancer as more of a lifestyle disease, one which is chronic and one which is very manageable and preventable. Lot of the stigma, I believe, is associated with miscommunication or just misinformation about cancer and the fear associated. What can you say about that? And what can you tell people out there when it comes to the fear of cancer? So endless myths. There are endless myths. Yeah. Every day I'm bounced with a new question, which I have not heard before. So I keep wondering that all these 30 years, still there's more to realize that people have... So some very common ones I'll take, which come up uh, straight away on my mind, is that diagnosis that you they don't want to be put touched by a knife or a needle because then the cancer will spread. So I keep talking about it that if this was true, then we can't make a diagnosis because tissue is an integral part of diagnosis making understanding tumor. And if this was true, everybody who has not had a needle or a puncture would have come in stage one 
So most of the people who are delaying the diagnosis actually are losing the opportunity or the window to treat for treatment. So that is, I don't know why, but it is not getting over. It, this question is perennial. This is just ongoing. Then uh, one big myth is about uh, uh, chemotherapy. Chemotherapy has side effects. So I, so everything has side effects. The treatment is something where the benefits outweigh the side effects, and that is why chemotherapy out there is. Uh, to helps in saving so many lives. So unnecessary treatment of any kind is not good, whether it is cancer or non-cancer. So we are talking about things that are not required. I am saying anything which is scientifically validated, recommended, should be assessed and then wholeheartedly adopted because only then you will get the best out of it. And uh, so regarding radiation therapy and uh, surgeries that it causes weakness. And uh, so I keep telling people that the weakness is not because of the intervention, weakness is because of the cancer. The disease is causing the weakness. So if you control the disease, the patient or the host body improves. So, so these are a few of the misconceptions. So there are a lot of myths around regarding every aspect, diagnosis and interventions. CT exposure will be radiation exposure. Mammography today will cause side effects. So mammography of 20 years back and today is far different. So it is much more advanced technology much less radiation exposure and much detailed analysis. So digital mammography is, gives a lot of information. So likewise, uh, I think what you said, the fear factor is what plays so much that every negative thought is captured, ca is uh, allowed to play out. And so that negative thought is what kills the opportunity. So I think we have to really, I would not say positive just for the sake of being positive, but be open-minded to absorb all the information and today, fortunately, there are various methods to get yourself, uh, get your facts checked. Yes. So it's not that uh, you have to listen. Uh, Dr. Harith will talk about the gospel truth. Or this is where all the information comes from. So it is that we have to be open-minded. You go and check. You can take second opinions from two, three well-established centers and so many. So what happens when you do, do some checking, checking out, you will get a filter and get a sense of what is the right way to go about. Absolutely. And Dr. Harath, we are moving to more, I mean, you spoke about a multidisciplinary approach and we're moving to a very holistic way of treating cancer, um, a more patient-centric approach. According to you, how are we moving in that direction and what is patient-centricity for you and your patients? So, so as far as patient-centricity is concerned, I think... Um, what we have seen a huge transition has happened quite it was not uncommon for a patient about whom the treatment is being discussed without the patient in the room mm -hmm. and without involving the patient even there was a time when even the family would say we are not going to tell this person that yes. uh, you are going to have this surgery cancer surgery we'll say small tumor has to be removed and something of that kind so not sharing the right information and the full information with the patient is is not acceptable today how we handle it what are the professional ways of doing it how to involve the family and caregivers and make sure that the full information is fully shared understood absorbed and then patients own concerns and priorities have been listed and understood then we can take a call what is the best treatment for the patient now, this can play out in every part of the body, whether we talk about 
breast conservation versus mastectomy, whether you talk about uh, colectomy in a Lynch syndrome, whether you're doing a partial colectomy or total colectomy or in a uh, FAP or uh, ulcerative colitis or whatever. So there are various situations in which we have to take a call that there are two ways to treat or two options available. What we would prefer, and this has got these positives, this is our these negatives, and that decision-making process is what is patient-centricity. That the information is fully shared, timely shared, and shared with the caregivers also so that everybody is on the same page. And then we take a call based on patients' preferences, priorities, way of thinking and living, and what suits best for that age and for that person. So I've had eight-year-olds who, who have said that uh, I want breast reconstruction. Wow. So for me also, it comes as a zap that, oh my God, at 80, uh, then they would say, what would you suggest? So I'd say, see, it's your choice, but I am slightly hesitant in extending your surgery beyond an hour or so. So these things too dis get discussed. But I'm just saying that the mindset has shifted a lot and people want to be uh, to know everything. And that's a good thing. That's fantastic because Dr. Arif, when my own mother was going through treatment, this was many, many years ago, uh, over 10 years ago, we uh, just followed suit of what the oncologist said, you know, and um, we just, uh, we asked no questions. We weren't really involved in the treatment regimen uh, and we followed blindly. But today when we work with patients, it's a whole different ballgame. Tell me how much does involving a patient in the journey of whatever their treatment regimen is, how important is it for their outcomes, their quality of life? If the patient is not involved, I can guarantee that more often than not, you will not be able to deliver what you want to deliver. Because there will be lots of ups and downs happening during the journey. So if the information is not complete and not shared, if you are not sharing, I can tell you the patient also not share. Mm -hmm. True. So the, the gap widens. It is very important to build a relationship where you enter with a smile and open up the conversation that the patient also opens up. This whole game is partly, I would say, uh, I would say it is a, one has to build that personality to actually be pro. Uh, proactive in, in making that conversation happen. So, so many of my patients complain also that so-and-so is not talking or is very reserved and all. I feel in the field of oncology, it's not the amount of time you give to the patient. It's about the quality of time you give to the patient. And that quality of time happens by your opening sentence, by your setting up the context. And once you start from a point where it is a factual, including with a sense of hope, with clarity. I'm telling you, my sense is that people talk very freely, frankly, and they're able to even discuss life and death issues. And people even ask me about uh, when they want to write their will and <laughs> all those things. So I actually feel that that relationship happens in very, it doesn't require time. All it requires is a good quality, open conversation. Absolutely. absolutely. And that is critical. That is critical. So to say that uh, how important it is, I think without having good relationship, one cannot deliver quality treatment. Absolutely. Dr. Harit, I'm going to talk to you about something very important, which is integrative oncology, which is using various complementary non-clinical therapies along with conventional treatment to improve patient outcomes. 
what is your thought on integrative oncology and if you can tell our audience a little bit of what integrative oncology even is so when we talk of oncology today or cancer treatment care or this thing it is so for i would say for decades few things were almost around there they were for example physiotherapy was very much part of it now physiotherapy has moved beyond physiotherapy we are not just saying that uh, you the side effects of treatment or those things are well managed we are saying that you are back to the society with full energy mm-hmm. full throttle so that state of body and mind doesn't happen by physiotherapy alone so that that requires a, a different level of confidence and addressing every little concern which the patient or the family would have those things are critical so i think mo- quite a few of these for example if we talk about uh, taking care of one's confidence or psychology or uh, balancing that so for example we in our department have had a psychologist for 12 years now right from the beginning we always believe that is integral for example palliative care is part of our program for more than 5 years 6 years so all these things have been round there and gradually they are evolving developing getting integrated and and taking shape and all this is finally giving better care to our patients and and making sure that the treatment does not mean end of cancer alone it also means a person is where they started when they were healthy and fit yes so that their life so one of my uh, believes is that your life after cancer treatment gets 10x what was 1x before gets 10x because then you start valuing relationships you start valuing time you know the opportunity you have here on this earth and so you want to give back and you do more and so whole ball game changes rapidly so i would say that uh, in this journey from 1x to 10x the support you require the support you get and that support is from professionals who are uh, providing your support in terms of psychology your uh, managing your uh, mental health or managing your transitions during difficult times or even giving you an insight or what more is lying for you in the future post cancer treatment so to say and uh, from your body perspective your physio rehab and proactive uh, taking care of every aspect of your uh, normal day to day routine and uh, for example now diet is become so 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 important it is uh, unbelievable that it is supposed to be another pillar of cancer treatment and and that is where it is coming so it's not just for cancer as i am realizing that uh, all of us have a dna and that is one fixed thing which is not you can't change that that is something you inherit but diet is something which is in your control your exercise is in your control absolutely and and you play out with these things and you can actually have a very different life same dna in fact there's some study going on in uk with 15000 twins and they are studying that how their life pans out and what is the role of diet and other factors in terms of disease and health so i think uh, very exciting times a lot of data will come in and we'll know more so integrative oncology is actually integrated very well into oncology care i think no oncology care is complete without having all these things as part of the program and not just in hospital it extends beyond uh, till the patient is actually fully back and uh, enjoying life once again 
till that point this is very much very well integrated in fact um there are some studies also where yoga and other things acupressure have proven to counter the side effects of chemo and other things and given patients much faster recovery and uh, um appropriate treatment could be given because of that so a lot is happening in that space and uh, i think diet is another area which has unbelievable potential i think very soon we'll in next couple of years there a lot of information which is coming lot of studies going on so we are also part of one study where our patients diet and stool is getting tested and the micro uh, yes. microbiome yes gut, yeah gut is being studied so that all these things will give insight so amazing opportunities to partner so dr arun how much of a role does integrative therapy so when i speak about integrative therapies as you mentioned i'm predominantly speaking about personalized clinical nutrition physical rehab in the form of physiotherapy and yoga therapy and then of course mental well-being like um, psycho oncology how much of a role does it play in your practice and how have you seen your patients improve in, in the with the inclusion of these therapies in comparison to those who have not included uh, an integrative approach in their treatment so i would say that uh, i can't give a comparative i can only say from my experience that um, so we have been very fortunate at max that our institution has always believed into a comprehensive holistic approach yes. and so whenever we asked for these things they were never uh, something which was not considered important and so let us focus it on this later on it was always there and and as i said earlier that we have had a very comprehensive approach especially for example psycho oncology today we have heba earlier we have somebody else so we have been having somebody supporting this program for more than 10 years 11 years now and it has given us huge rewards our patients require support our support group is one of the most active support groups across the country wow their patients support each other yeah. and they are amazing whatsapp groups so they so a lot of that stress is taken away by these people and likewise we have people in almost all centers at max where we want to integrate that at the same level so i would say that coping with uh, this journey for cancer patients by the clinical team is not always possible because we neither have the capability technical training or bandwidth nor we have the time both the things are at a limitation so if you have interest you can go deep dive and pick it up but you have interest but don't have time you actually never spend time with it sure so, so you never grow that muscle and so it never it always remains a weak area and and there'll be a bad days and there'll be good days and so people can't be at the mercy of your good days and bad days so the professional environment has to provide that opportunity and and therefore i think uh, i would say i believe that no cancer care is incomplete incom- without integrative oncology well integrated in all clinicians minds not just having it in the corner of the room but it should be part of our discussion it should be part of our program and every patient should know that these services are available only then they are able to utilize it and it's so encouraging and it makes me so happy to hear you say this because there was a time where of course there was skepticism there were a lot of oncologists who weren't propagating this 
um, and then we have you know oncologists like yourself who are out there talking about this and and pushing for patient care and patient centricity and integrative oncology how do we encourage um, a wider adoption of this dr harith in in a country like india i think it's bound to happen it will take time so these are all i would say socio economic issues mm. social as well as economic mm. so um, few things take priority because it is a life and death in that moment sure. so while i am saying that no oncology care is complete without integrative oncology but if you measure in terms of saving lives and you want to say okay top most in solid tumors will be surgery at least have good quality surgery even that will save lives mm. then you have this specialty then you have a radiation facility you have a comprehensive pathology radiology so if you look at that spectrum where where, where if you have 10 rupees where will you spend mm. or will you spend in these five areas then this will come on table then so it is both social and economic so what you and me are doing right now by talking and putting it out there is improving the awareness level that okay people will realize the value few people more people will latch in and they will talk and they will discuss and like that the message keeps going out and and hopefully it will become a better world uh, every day it will become better than yesterday and that's how it will move so it's both socio economic in certain areas certain segment of population it will take its own time to come i i know this but whatever we talk when people can't even get quality uh, targeted medicines expensive drugs so who will talk about integrative oncology sure. they just want the basics to be sorted at the same time every step will finally impact the whole environment and it will keep going so all that i think is a journey and it's always going to be in transition whatever we do but the faster adoption will happen with more and more engagement more and more understanding and taking out the examples as i know that you are doing some studies and you got some data so sharing that information so nothing is more valuable than the evidence that this absolutely. is what has happened absolutely and you rightly yes and like you rightly said it's it's up to us who are in the healthcare fraternity of course you know us doctors and uh, those healthcare providers healthcare uh, companies that can actually you know push this forward and actually talk about it and encourage um and a comprehensive integrative approach for cancer in india um i wanted to ask you a question that just popped up which is regarding patient reported outcomes as you mentioned there are a lot of trials and pilots and data that uh, is being done on uh, you know cohorts of different cancer patients now of course we have the clinical data and the medical data which is an integral part but we are noticing a lot of non clinical parameters becoming a part of these trials as patient reported outcomes so those uh, that affect quality of life and um, you know other parameters that can really improve or uh, decrease the outcome of a patient what are your thoughts on patient reported outcomes and how important do you feel these data sets are for uh the overall trial of uh, a drug or a patient outcomes they are important they are critical i would say i will give them a lot of importance because uh, without finally what is our aim our aim is to have a holistic complete uh, treatment and the person well uh, 
rather i would say the person is not just treated but fully energized and back in the society and all that so i would say the only way to measure is unless you look at quality of life just having the person 50% out there is no good yeah if you can make it 70% please work for it if you make it 100% please work for it mm-hmm. so where do we stop in our own desires is where things will stop if we don't don't imagine and don't think and and so if we look at data and look at evidence then we'll take that leap and okay do this because this will give this result so this is how things happen in fact the whole uh, world or the humanity or the science is progressing because of our inquisitiveness to do more and find out more and find answers to uh, everything which is out there so i think all this helps everything helps so i'm going to ask you a question which is uh, uh, you know it's an impediment for us in india and i guess globally uh, which is treatment adherence we see a lot of dropout or delays in treatment regimens now personally what we have experienced is because one of the things that we do focus on is response to treatment and improvement in treatment adherence we see that there are multiple factors that affect treatment adherence um i was uh, you know shocked to know that a very big factor was just the negative connotation that a lot of indian patients have towards allopathic treatment so as soon as they start feeling better they think it's better to be off the medication and then sometimes they indulge in alternative treatment or don't take medication at all because they think that being on the treatment uh, is is worse for their bodies right so that's one of the things that was a very interesting uh, um you know something interesting that i actually experienced but i wanted to know what you thought of um the important factors that affect treatment adherence and what can we do to improve treatment adherence so this is not just an indian phenomenon it's a global phenomenon mm-hmm. this uh, dropout things for example hormonal treatment in breast cancer yes so there is lot of data there that almost 30 40% patients do not complete treatment so this is in developed world as well because once you start feeling better and then every little thing which goes wrong in the body is because of this pill which is anyway not serving me anymore so every time when patients come and follow up in fact you come to know only 6 months later that they have stopped treatment unless you specifically ask whether you are continuing this medication or not If you don't ask that question, they'll say, "No, doctor, I stopped six months back because I was getting backache." I said, "How do you know that this is because of this? How do you assess?" No, this was unnecessarily going on. I am fine now. I am done. So, so this is very, very, very common, unfortunately. And as I said, almost thirty, forty percent patients interrupt treatment. In fact, a lot of studies on chemo radiation followed by surgery protocols in rectum, in esophagus. we all see dropout rates because once the symptoms go away acute symptoms go away people want to avoid surgery and then the biggest question is they will quietly do a pet on their own and they'll say there was no tumor seen so no treatment taken mm-hmm. one year later when the whole thing is back with vengeance then you can't do anything they can't do anything we're in soup so so uh, treatment adherence is a challenge and uh, getting treatment when you are in problem is something which is comes naturally once the symptoms go away even i would say that t- taking antibiotics during infections how many people complete the full five day course or whatever two three days four days once you are better it's all gone so same thing for prevention of cancer 
so all of us know that tobacco is harmful this is there that is there but how many people adhere to that understanding because it's not sexy to leave this it is more it is more attractive to have expensive tests and this and that and then and get diagnosed that is different so uh, this is a very very big problem and not just for cancer it is for i think healthcare as a whole the treatment interruptions here because it's a long drawn treatment therefore see this more often and this people get exhausted people get fatigued and uh, they need support so if there's no support of this kind then nobody's bothered and once they're feeling better they get off now to say that how to manage this i think we have to work as a team the caregiver the medical fraternity we have to work as one team to understand the importance of this treatment and that is there's one thing which i always believe that every time a transition from one therapy to another therapy happens there should be a joint meeting yes that a patient should know before starting treatment that your treatment involves this step this step and this step and once you step number 1 is over before you get to step number 2 again a conversation happens in that same mode by this if you put these questions at that time probably those fears will come out and probably will have answers but if that doesn't happen then there's a problem and you also mentioned dr harit uh, a very important point you said the kind of communication and information that is expelled to the patient at the initial touch point and uh, a contact with the patient is imperative and you're very, absolutely very. right because that also sets the base for how the patient responds to treatment and we have seen this time and again the the amount of information the patient has and how empowered they feel um and how you know the richness of their knowledge about their treatment journey about uh you know uh, their their cancer actually makes a huge difference on how they even respond and then and then actually sticking to the treatment regimen so you're absolutely right there we have seen it firsthand in what you just said i'm not going to take too much more of your time but i'm going to ask you one last question which is uh as you said we all know that early detection screening and prevention is the answer to witness somewhat of a cancer free country how do we encourage more people to screen to take that uh, you know initiative upon them to go and get themselves tested screen and do their health checkups regularly so we can detect cancer earlier and then give them a you know a very very high chance of survival if there was a malignancy so i would say before going for a checkup i think first we we can do a lot more in terms of prevention that should always remain very central to all young the whole of the oncology world and as we just start in the beginning we said that almost 50% is preventable so we should not forget the value of that if that 50% just play out 10% that itself will be a big step yes. 20% 30% so we can keep working on it so that is first thing if we have to really serve the society well this is one area which we needs a lot of focus and a lot is possible there now as far as the screening and early detection is concerned there are a lot of questions and queries in terms of value for what are screen detectable cancers which can be screened and uh, how to do that i think we have to work at all three levels one is the grassroots level the public at large so unfortunately because cancer does not have unique symptoms so people do not 
this doesn't get noticed a mm-hmm. mouth ulcer can be benign ulcer a breast lump could be a benign lump and so it doesn't get stand out that okay this is cancer at this point no so the pitch which we keep talking about is that anything beyond 3 weeks should go for a checkup to rule out cancer because most of the natural things or the self limiting things will wane off in 3 to 4 weeks time right. okay so anything beyond 3 weeks go for a checkup rule out cancer that is one thing how to make it happen i think we have to work at the general practitioner level or primary care physician level we have to work at the society level and fortunately today because of the easy access and uh, internet availability these campaigns are possible the good thing is that uh, today in the working class even the government sector and private sector a lot of screening and lot of health provisions are getting embedded in fact uh, the ayushman bharat scheme also is helping lot of people on ground to get treatments at least full treatment so as we go to that level the next level will come even the government of india has brought out the schemes for mammography and uh, uh, biopsies and early detection centers so these things are again work in progress but uh, to give a one line answer i would say that we have to work with people and with primary care physicians to rule out cancer for anybody who has symptom beyond 3 weeks that is one thing which we can work on that's great to hear because you know that's such a um, it, it gives one an idea because like you said lot of people feel symptoms lot of them ignore it um so i wanted to actually probe you a little bit on this because it could help a lot of people so when you say symptoms i know it's very difficult to give us a list of symptoms but can i uh, can i you know identify that as anything that's uncomfortable that we haven't uh, experienced no. before what can be so only about 10 to 15 symptoms samara okay. not more than 15 symptoms there are very few symptoms okay bleeding or abnormal discharge or uh, from the rectum or vagina or uh, in the sputum or cough or change in voice and any growth anything which is noticed any alteration bowel habits we put all this together so on the face of it we have got 15 20 symptoms okay. so what you are saying is also good that if you are feeling uncomfortable with anything so all these things will make you slightly uncomfortable or get noticed absolutely and behind there are thousands of diseases true now can so i on one side there can be for example uh, let us talk about bleeding per rectum yeah that's blood in the motion now without even any worker people label piles and hemorrhoids and all that nobody will check out and they will start taking some medication from an uh, somebody who has not even seen the patient just some some other fellow will go and take a uh, start taking medication for that so if we develop this approach of evidence evidence based treatment that means you have to have an evidence before you start treatment mm. then there'll be more and more people will picked up early the most common example in our country is lung cancer now lung cancer in india gets diagnosed in 90% plus people at stage 4 yes and the main reason for that is that any shadow in lung is taken as tuberculosis and so the tb treatment starts mm-hmm. by the patient and by the physicians and and that is the because the fear of tb is so much now if we start doing that unless you have a sputum examination or do a baseline ct or whatever do some basic 2 3 tests you can't start att things will change and change rapidly so so the whole idea is that 
anything you are uncomfortable with anything which is new to your body even one episode should raise an alarm but anything which happens in the span of 3 4 weeks or maybe a month again please please rule out cancer it may quite often sound overboard going too far for a very small innocuous looking test but that is you are not paying the price there but not going for the test may be a very heavy price to pay 3 months later or 6 months later so it's worth doing the additional test to just make sure that you're ruling out cancer in some way shape or form because as we know detecting earlier is the answer to um higher survival and longer survival and a cure essentially dr harit thank you so much i've taken more of your time but you know you left us with such important points especially what you just mentioned about the symptoms and how to actually uh, assess yourself and and check yourself because this is going to make a huge difference for even me personally i didn't know this to a lot of people um and this is what makes the difference and the change for people because more and more people hear this more and more people understand the importance and then go do what is essential for themselves thank you for sparing the time i know you're extremely thank you busy. for having me very grateful for this opportunity thank you and i'm sure you will change this world and make it a much better place. oh god and and likewise dr harit likewise we hope you enjoyed this episode and found it useful for yourself for more such episodes Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and EP Log Media website, where we dive deeper into the world of integrative oncology and healing cancer the right way.